Welcome to the Ocean Hills Podcast. Our hope is that today's message would help you connect more deeply with God and with others. If you would like more information on what is happening in the Ocean Hills community, check out our website at oceanhills.org or download the Ocean Hills app. If you are encouraged by our ministry and would like to partner with us financially, you can give through your mobile device by texting Ocean Hills to 77977. We hope you enjoy this message. Well, I was going to use the pulpit, which is so interesting that we don't do pulpits, though, do we? So I'm not going to. I'm going to come out and be with the people. You know, God's people often are displaced, are moving, are flexible in the scriptures. And so we're a good company. You guys are flexible. You guys can move. You can pick up one spot and move to the next. I love it. I'm trying not to have building envy right now. It's pretty amazing, I'm going to have to say. Um, but I have a scripture today that uh, I want to read for us, and I know God's going to use it in your life, because that's what he does when we read his word. He uses it, he encourages us, he blesses us, he moves in us. And I'm going to title this message, uh, God's 2020 Vision for Your Life. I couldn't resist the 2020 vision. I just had to. It's like the only moment, probably, that I can use that. So I just had to call the title, the 2020 vision for your life. We're in a new year, a new decade. There's a lot of hope. There's a lot of potential. Many of us have thought forward to what we want to become, what we want to be like, healthier, better, more successful. Maybe what we want to stay away from, sugar, Alcohol, Netflix, I don't know what's next, the gym, maybe some of you want to stay away from the gym this year, too much time in the gym. Um, But we all have a vision, don't we? We all have a vision of our life. We have a vision of where we're headed. And I started to think, is my vision the same as God's vision? Is my vision based on speculation, just my own ideas, my own thoughts? Or is it based on revelation? Is it based on his thoughts, my creator's words, my creator's design? And so that's what I think this passage speaks to today. We're going to get to it's in 2 Corinthians. If you want to open your Bibles, we actually have pew Bibles today, you guys. It's an upgrade. So you can even open up your pew Bibles. I don't know if it's the same version that I'm reading, but uh, it might be. Um, 2 Corinthians, it's a letter to the Corinthian church that Paul, the apostle, wrote. And this is an amazing passage. And it, it, um, we're, we're, we're kind of in a, we're in a series called Looking Out. And I'm going to share it a little bit later, but we're, we're in the year about. And we'll see how this connects to that. But I wanted to start here this year. This is where God led me. And um, I'm hoping he's leading you too. Read uh, verse 12 through 18 is what I'm going to read. Therefore, since we have such a hope, we are very bold. We're not like Moses, who would put a veil over his face to prevent the Israelites from seeing the end of what was passing away. But their minds were made dull, for to this day the same veil remains when the Old Old Covenant is read. It has not been removed, because only in Christ is it taken away. 
Even to this day, when Moses is read, a veil covers their hearts. But whenever anyone turns to the Lord, the veil is taken away. Whenever anyone turns to the Lord. Now the the Lord is the Spirit, and where the Spirit of the Lord is, there is freedom. And we all, who with unveiled faces contemplate the Lord's glory, are being transformed into His likeness with ever-increasing glory, which comes from the Lord, who is the Spirit. God's vision for your life. God's vision. I don't know if many of you have had an experience like this where your vision went bad. Anybody in this room besides me? Where your vision went bad? I was 17 and my vision started going bad. It started getting worse and things were getting blurry. And so I went to the doctor and they prescribed me some really, really ugly glasses that I guess I picked out, but uh, someone picked out. I just, uh, I couldn't wear them because any amount of coolness I would have lost at that point uh, that I had. So I, I didn't wear the glasses, but they kept getting worse, my eyes. And, and so eventually I had to get contacts. And I'll, I just vividly remember putting my contacts in and I uh, was kind of new into contacts and I was driving up to Tahoe, Lake Tahoe. And all of a sudden I could see the trees and the mountains and it was amazing. It was like someone turned the light on and the the leaves and the details and I didn't even know what I was missing because my vision had gone bad. I think it's the same with our lives. We, We have vision. We need vision for our lives and our visions can can get off, our our vision can get wrong, and God wants to inform our vision. And the question I have as we we look at the scripture tonight is, will I adjust my vision to God's vision? Will I let his vision inform or correct my vision of what I think my life should be about? And so here's the spoiler alert, we're talking about two things, freedom and transformation. That's what God God's vision for your life is, I think, out of this passage. And let me, let me look at verse 12 and 13. Therefore, since we have such a hope, we are very bold. Paul is contrasting the old covenant with the new covenant. And he's saying that the new covenant is amazing compared to the old covenant. And, and it's such a, we have such a hope because we have the spirit of God who has come to be with us. That is the new covenant. And in Jesus' Jesus' death and resurrection and ascension, he sent the Spirit down. So we have such a hope. We can be bold. And he says, we're not like Moses who would prevent the Israelites from seeing the end of what was passing away. What's he talking about there? That wasn't dramatic music. (laughs) Although that'd be a good moment for it. What's he talking about there? Moses... We're not like Moses who would prevent the Israelites from seeing the end of what was passing away. If you go up a little bit, you see he's, he's referencing a story in the Old Testament that maybe some of you heard in Sunday school. I know I did. Although I don't think I got this interpretation of what that story was about. Moses would go and he'd meet with God. He'd go up on Mount Sinai and he'd get the Ten Commandments. And God's glory would come on him. And it says his face would shine like the sun. 
when he came down. And then he would, he would speak in front of God's people. And they'd listen to him, and, and they would listen to him because his face was like the sun. It, it scared them. And I always thought he, he covered up his face. He put a veil on his face. I always thought it was because it was because they were scared or because they couldn't look at it because it was like an LED light or something, you know, that you can't look at straight. But that's not what, what Paul says. Paul gives us a different interpretation here. Paul says that he put the veil on because he didn't want the people to see the glory was fading. That makes sense, doesn't it? So that he'd get the glory, he'd meet with God, and he'd have glory for a while. But then it started to fade slowly. And he didn't want the people to see it. He's the leader. He's the leader of the nation. He can't let them see that maybe God's presence isn't as strong as it was. Maybe he lose his credibility. Maybe they doubt his leadership. Maybe they would doubt that God was still with him. So he hid the fact that the glory was fading. I love Moses, don't you? He's, he's so human. This super prophet that we read all about. He's, he's such a human figure, you know? And you read his story. And, and don't we do the same thing that Moses does? We put veils <coughs> on we, we cover up what isn't working. We cover up the, the insecurities, the, the doubts, the struggles. We cover up the, the financial issues. We cover up whatever it is that, that feels a little uncomfortable. We don't want someone to see. We cover it up. We hide. Adam and Eve did the same thing. You know, when, they, when sin came into the world, when they sinned, they, they covered up. They hid. I don't know if you've had this experience, but when, when people come over to my house sometimes and uh, I look around and there's like piles, 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 and I like start picking up the piles and then just put them all over here. <laughs> like no one's going to see the pile, the big pile that's over there. Anyone ever? Am I the only one who's done that? Okay. Um, that's what it's like. What? And, and I just, the, the question I got to ask tonight is what veil are you wearing this year? What, what parts of your life are you covering up that you don't want people to see, because God's vision for you is freedom. It's it's a release of the veil. It's a taking off of the veil. It's freedom to be you, to experience God's love in this community, in this place, in this family, and just to be who you are and to be real with all of life. And look what Paul says next. He says this. He says, "But their minds were made dull, for to this day." The same veil remains when the old covenant is read. It has not been removed because only in Christ, only in Christ is it taken away. Even to this day when Moses is read, a veil covers their hearts. What's going on? The Israelites are living in the past. They're living in the glory days. Aren't they? It's like they, they remember the glory days of when Mount Sinai and going across the Red Sea, and they're, they're living in the past. They're stuck in the past. They're expecting God to work in the same way that He used to. But God is doing something new. God's doing a new thing. Even today, God's doing something new. Some of us are stuck in the past. We get stuck in, in the glory days, we get stuck in wishing. 
Oh, it was so good back then. I don't why I wish it was better. I wish God spoke to me back then like like he did. I wish, you know, and and we forget that God is is present. He's here now. He's doing a new thing. He is the I am. Wherever the spirit of the Lord is, there is freedom. The veil of living in the past. God wants to take that away. The veil of living with pressure, having to have a certain image, a certain standard. God wants to take that away. And this should really be the place, shouldn't it, that the veils are dropped when we come together, when we meet together, when we turn to Jesus together. The veils are down. If there's any place in the world we should able we should be able to just be real with the struggles, the battles, the insecurities, the doubts. It's it's this, and that, I love that about Ocean Hills. I love that we, we strive for that authenticity here. Life is not always go as we planned. You read through Second Corinthians, and Paul's so real about his struggles. He doesn't try to be this super prophet who's like, it's all good and, and everything's perfect. He's talking about his suffering and his thorn in the flesh. And he's talking about all this stuff that, that's hard. It's real. Maybe this year is a year to take off some veils. Maybe I can encourage you to, to join a life group. I think that is one of the areas, one of the places, one of the sacred places that we create that you can take your veils off. You can be free. You can be real with each other. You can do life together. Life groups. So it's just a three to twelve people meeting together, seeking Jesus. We're going to be signing up for those uh, next week, the week after. Jump in one of those this year. Maybe this is the year to drop the veils. Listen to 16 and 17. Whenever anyone turns to the Lord, the veil is taken away. Now the Lord is the Spirit, and where the Spirit of the Lord is, there is freedom. We need Jesus to help us take the veil off, don't we? And this, this turning to Jesus... It's turning to him. This is a directional shift. It's not just a one and done. It's, it's a daily. I need to turn back to him. Turn to him again. It's a deliberate directional turn. And the gift of the Spirit is there when we turn to Jesus to give us freedom. God wants you to live in freedom. Let's take a look at verse 18. And this is where we'll spend the rest of our time. Such a, a packed verse here. I'll do my best to, to share what I've learned. And, and we all who with unveiled faces contemplate the Lord's glory are being transformed into his image with ever increasing glory, which comes from the Lord, who is the Spirit. In other words, God's vision is that you would be transformed into his image, into the image of Jesus. That you would become like Jesus. That is what this Christian journey is about. And I, I think we need to remind ourselves at the beginning of a year, what is life about with God? It's about becoming like Jesus. 
becoming more loving, more joyful, more peaceful, more people, more yielded to God, more surrendered, transformed into his image. That word transformed is metamorpho. It's uh, to change another form, to transform, to transfigure. And it's where we get the, the word for transforming a, a, a caterpillar into a butterfly or a tadpole into a bullfrog. It's, it's, the, it's a total transformation. This isn't just a little tune-up, a little attitude adjustment that God wants to do. He wants to totally transform your insides, your heart, to be like Jesus. I've been listening to uh, and reading a pastor from Portland, John Mark Comer, who's painted some of my thoughts on this, and today especially. He said this, listen to this quote, Just for a moment, forget what level of change you thought is possible. Let the scripture inform your imagination. Just for a moment, forget what level of change you think is possible in your life. And let the scriptures inform your imagination. Forget what people said. Forget what you've heard. That you're stuck. That you're just how you're going to be. That you're just an angry person. Or you're just an impatient person. Or you're just rude. Or you're just curt. Or whatever it is. Forget, forget that you're stuck. And let the scripture inform you that transformation is possible. Becoming like Jesus is possible. Amen? Amen. Ancient church got this right. The second century. Listen to this quote from the second century. Jesus became all that we are so that we might become all that he is. He took on our humanity so we might take on his divinity. That's a bold statement, isn't it? That we might take on his divinity. That we might become all that he is. That you would become God-like, godly. In how you treat people and how you interact and how you live. So how does this happen? How do we do this in 2020 and beyond? There's a progression we see here. There's a process. Dallas Willard reminds us transformation doesn't just happen. It's an orderly process. And I think the scripture tells us the spirit does the transforming. We can't just try harder to be like Jesus. Have you ever done that? Have you ever tried harder to just be more loving? It's great until someone pushes your buttons or it cuts you off or flips you off or whatever they do. It's, it's hard. You can't just try harder. It happens over time. And here's the, here's the phrase that I want to camp on for a minute. It happens over time as we contemplate His glory. That sounds a little confusing. Contemplate His glory. What does that mean to contemplate the glory of God? The word contemplate is, if you look up a bunch of different translations, it's translated differently. And that's when you know it's hard to put it into English. It's katatrizo. Just tell your name of that. Katatrizo. <laughs> this is not a pastor flex, DJ. It's going to say real Greek word that is important to know. Katatrizo. Because it, it's, it's to behold like in a mirror. 
That's, that's literally what it means. We don't really have an English phrase for it. To behold, like in a mirror. So it's about seeing. The, the New Living Translation maybe translates it to best. Seeing and reflecting. As we see and reflect God's glory, He transforms us. As we see Him, as we behold Him, and as we reflect Him to others, God, the Spirit, is doing the transformation. Behold and reflect. Behold and reflect. You know that word glory may be confusing too. It was to me, I know. Glory. Is that like when a football player says, Glory to God after a big win? And because God loves football so much. <laughs> no judgment if you're checking the uh, Seahawks game right now. Um, but glory does not here mean that. It means praise God. It means it, it, it's it means the tangible expression of God's presence and goodness. That's his glory. The tangible expression of his glory, of his presence and his goodness. Think back in, in the Old Testament, you have the pillar of fire. That was a, a tangible expression. That was the glory of God. A pillar of fire that led the Israelites. And then you have the cloud. That was a tangible expression. You have Moses' face. There was a tangible expression there of the, of the presence and the goodness of God. And then we see Jesus is the ultimate example of this. He is the tangible expression of the glory and the goodness of God. And so contemplation here. This is... A practice. Contemplation is a practice. Beholding and reflecting. It's something we, we order into our life. It's not something that just happens to us. It's choosing to dwell and to set your heart on the beauty and the love of God. It's a practice that we've lost in our culture a lot, haven't we? It's a discipline that we do to experience and surrender to God's love. I love, I love this one, how John Mark Comer put it. It's a practice of looking at God, looking at you in love. The practice of looking at God, looking at you in love. Putting your phone down, no distractions, quieting yourself. Giving your heart to God. That's how he transforms us. That's how we behold his glory. Notice it doesn't say those who study more theology or those who memorize more scripture. And I, I love studying theology and, and knowing scripture. But, but it says we're transformed by beholding, by, by contemplating his glory. That is how God is transforming us from the inside out. David Benner, he wrote a book uh, called Surrender to Love. And I want to put a quote up here because it's, it's an awesome quote. I want you to, to think about it. And then we'll, 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 get, we'll wrap it up here in a minute. David Benner said this, Meditating on God's love has done more to increase my love than decades of effort to try to be more loving. Allowing myself to deeply experience his love Taking time to soak in it, allow it to infuse me has begun to affect changes that I had given up hope of ever experiencing. 
Coming back to God in my failures at love. Throwing myself in his arms, asking him to remind me of how much he loves me as I am here. I begin to experience new levels of love to give others. But I must come to love through the cross. Come to love when I give up trying and only when I give up sorry, come to love through I'm missing a word there, what does it say? Is it wrong? Sin. Thank you. Sin and failure rather than self-improvement. Only when I give up trying then God's love can really touch me. It's only when I come to him in the midst of my failures in love that his love can transform me. There's a lot, I can't unpack that whole quote, but this is what contemplating the Lord's glory is about. It's about meditating on his love. There's no easy button for this, you guys. There's no easy button for spiritual formation. This isn't Instapot spirituality. This is slow, long, hard, sometimes painful journey. Thanks, Pastor. That's a great encouragement <laughs> this afternoon. You know, I love, I, I've shared with you, I love going backpacking with guys in the wilderness, and we, we go out and spend four or five days, maybe 40, 40, 50 miles, and I just expect it to be hard and painful and slow, because that's what backpacking is. It's hard and painful and slow. And it reminds me when I'm out there and I get to experience God's amazing love and fellowship and his nature that the good things in life that what he wants to do in my life that's good is hard and painful and slow and so we need to come with that expectation sometimes that this is, this is it these practices are, are hard it's hard to contemplate in our busy world it's hard to put away our distractions God's vision, I think, for us is, is freedom and transformation. And I, I mentioned we're in the year of out. This We're in a three-year cycle of in, in, up, and out. The Jesus, the Jesus rhythm, that's, that's how he lived his life. And the year of out is, is reaching out, it's reaching beyond our walls, it's thinking out, it's... it's um, Handing out, it's whatever whatever it is we're thinking out, outside, and, and that God's moving us out, and there's lots to do in that. And I just thought before we start the year of out, this is where we need to begin. We need to begin with God's vision for us to become like Jesus. Because whatever we're going to do for God has to come out of being with God, Right? Whatever we do for God needs to come out of our being with God. And so I love this progression. Be with Jesus. Become like Jesus. Do the things Jesus does. Be with Jesus. Become like Jesus. Do the things Jesus does. This is from a website I'm going to turn you on to. It's practicingtheway.org that uh, Dan McManus told me about. And it's amazing. It's got some spiritual practices to be with Jesus so that we can become 
like Jesus so that we can do the things Jesus does. Is your vision for your life, is it aligned with God's vision for your life? And if it's not, how can you reorder some things? How do you reorder your life a little bit this year? And I encourage you, just just this this year, this month, start now. How can you reorder your life to experience his freedom and his transformation? Maybe it's a life group. Maybe it's some practices. There's, there's a couple quick practices. Three practical just ways to contemplate God's love for you that I want to I lay out. And I want to lead us in one as I close. There are three, three ways. One, to start your day with scripture about God's goodness. Start your day with scripture about God's goodness. There's so many. You can just Google that. Scripture is about God's goodness. There's a million. And, and just start your day with that. Read one. Journal about it. Even if it's just five minutes. Meditate on them. Before you get to your phone, before you get to your list, before you get to the news. Here's another one. Focus on the stories of Jesus. Maybe meditate on how did Jesus love people. Just read a story of Jesus every day. And then write, here's, here's how you know I saw Jesus love. Focus on the stories of Jesus. And lastly, is, is practice silence. Sit in silence. Even just two to five minutes a day. Contemplating the glory of God will change you. It will. Try it. Try it this week. I, I got to go to a couple of monasteries. Um, one in the area and then Mount Calvary, which is a great place to go in Santa Barbara. There's crosses all over the place, and you can just contemplate God's love for you. You can look at him, looking at you, in love. Sit in silence. There's a book, Ruth Haley Barton, Silence and Solitude, an intro. If you if you don't know where to start, that's a great place to start. So the year about 2020, you guys, it's, it's here. It's our first Sunday. I would love to, to just lead us into a, a, a spiritual exercise of just a minute or two where we get to look at God looking at us in love. So I'm going to have you just get comfortable and close your eyes. you that God's love is unfailing, it's unending, that he is abounding in love, slow to anger. And let's let's start this, this year together as a church, setting our heart on God's love, just lifting our heart to him. You might not even know what that what that means. It's just just meditate on how good he is, how much he loves you. What a good, good father he is.
God, we lift our hearts to you tonight together as a church. We ask that you come and you would transform us to be like Jesus. God, would you, would you do what you want to do in us? And I pray that, that our visions for ourselves, we would, we would align our vision with your vision this year. God, we love you so much and, and we thank you for your love. God, would you increase our awareness of your love, our experience of your love that surpasses knowledge. God, help us to, as we contemplate it, help us to, to feel it, to know it, to know it deep down. Help us to reflect it to everyone we come in contact with. And as we do that, God, would you just transform? Would you move in our hearts? Would you, would you take the veils away that we don't need, God, so that we can be free and we can be like you. We want, to, we want to be like you. Would you do the work this year? God, would you invite us into reordering our lives this year around what you want us to order our lives around? Thanks so much for this scripture and for Paul and his authenticity. And pray that it would just bear fruit in our lives as we go about this year. In your name, Jesus, we pray. Amen. Let's continue worshiping together. We're going to sing another song. Before you re-enter your day, we hope that you will take just a few moments to pause and respond to what God has put on your heart through this message. Thank you again for listening to the Ocean Hills podcast. For access to more sermons, visit the Watch and Listen page on OceanHills.org or find them on the Ocean Hills app.